Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards. We are so grateful that you joined us today. Want to encourage you throughout this time to go to our webpage, visit 1cc.com slash leadership roundtable, where you can download resources, show notes, and check out other podcasts. Today, I'm here with the man, Dr. Conway Edwards, and we're here to talk about the fact that all of a sudden, a finger was snapped and we're all church planners again. That's exactly right. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the man, Pastor Matt Anderson. And here we go. We're going to talk a little bit about what does it feel like to replant mm-hmm. the local church. Uh, we were scattered. Now some people are beginning to come back. But it's an entirely new world with digital and physical. And now everybody is in church planting mode. That's right. And whether, you know, this kind of applies to business, too. Um, You need to think of a third, a third, a third. As we've come back, as we've reopened, as everyone has, you're probably roughly experiencing about a third of the people coming back Mm -hmm. as they used to. You've got about a third of the people who are on the fence. They're waiting for a vaccine. They want to come back. They want to wait. They want flexibility. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a third of the people who are not coming back. Say bye bye. They're gone. They want to stay digital. Um, and they're not coming back. So we've got a third, a third, a third, and we've got to now re-engage That's right. and figure out well, how to connect. I think we should talk a little bit about that last third who's not coming back. They're not coming back for multiple reasons. Mm. One, we've done, we mean in the church, has improved so much on our digital content that they find it so much more uh, experientially better for them if they watch it from the comfort of their home. Some have decided that, you know, they, they might have gone to another church that never shut down, and they just decided, I'm going to like that church a little more because they kept me during this pandemic, and so they're not going to come back. Some people, their jobs either have lost it or gotten new opportunities, mm-hmm. and so now they're gone because they've moved out of town and gone somewhere else. So there are a myriad of reasons why somebody, actually some people, Matt, uh, might have just gotten disenfranchised with the church yeah. and believe that the church has no place in their lives again, and so they're gone. So whatever the reason, what you need to be aware mm-hmm. of is that a lot of people are not coming back anymore, and so now you have to re-engage by being a church planter again. <laughs> and, and truth be told, for the last eight months, we've scrambled to teach people that it's okay to stay at home. Right. This is just as good as it used to be. Right. If you're, we've trained everyone over eight months Presence has changed. It used to be you had to be here to be present. Now you can be at home and be present. So we've trained everyone. Yep. And now here we are, time to come back, and we've all got new habits, yep. new ways of life, new or rearranged priorities. <laughs> we really, really have. <laughs> and as the church has scattered, now the question is, how do we begin the process of slowly pulling back together? How do we reengage the body with regular rhythms and habits that are healthy, not just for the individual, but for the family. What does that look like? And what kind of mindset does do we need to have in this season as pastors, as ministry leaders, as small group leaders, as um, kids ministry leaders and student ministry leaders? What kind of mindset do we need to have? And mm-hmm. what are some of the things that we should be focused on if you're going to replant this church successfully. So that's really what we're after because you need to be processing the fact that we're not going to come back fully until perhaps fall 
2021. So that's September 2021 when you'll be back to where you were before COVID. And that's just an assumption if we can handle and get a hold of a vaccine quickly to keep the number of people that are getting sick as low as possible. So, Pastor Matt, what are you thinking? <laughs> we want to talk a little bit about what, what we just shared is what does it look like to be a church planter mm-hmm. or to have that mindset? Some of you may be church planters. You may be entrepreneurs or Maybe you think you've worked so hard to where you never have to go back to that. Yeah. Well, right now you're back to that. Or maybe you've never been a church planner or you've never started from scratch. You've now got to figure out what it looks like to get down in the trenches and to, uh, to go hard uh, like you're starting over from scratch. So we have a few things we want to share with you, about 10 or 11 uh, ideas or thoughts yeah. about what it means to be a church planner, to have this entrepreneurial mindset. So number right. one is everyone you need to have an owner's mentality or an owner's mindset you bet so what we have to do for this for all these 11 is we have to go back to when we first planted a church and simply ask the question what did we what did we do what were we engaged in on a daily basis and so these 10 come out of what we had done and what we have re-engaged and has now begun doing as a church and as a leadership team which makes it imperative that you think as a church planter and re-engage people. So the first one, Pastor Matt, you said was having an owner's mm-hmm. mentality. You can tell the difference whenever you go into any store, if you're talking to the owner or if you're talking to somebody who works there. You can just tell. Oftentimes, I will walk into a restaurant and just watch what's happening, and I'd go to the person and say, you're the owner of this place, aren't you? And invariably, they'd say yes, because everything matters to the owner. Everything matters. Seeing it through the eyes of a new person mm-hmm. matters. Seeing how the how the food is prepared matters. Seeing how they get the food and put it on the plate matters. Seeing how they take it out to the customer matters. All of it matters. And so for you and I, we have to now try to train all our team members that we should be thinking like owners. What does that mean when it comes to the local church? That means from the moment you drive onto the property, you must make sure that nothing messes with the message. The message is what you're trying to get people. You're trying to get them to know and have a personal relationship with God and or, and, or grow in their relationship with God. And so everything matters. Mm-hmm. If somebody drives on the property and it's messy, then that now becomes the message. If they deal with a parking lot attendee that's not treating them well, that becomes the message. If they're dealing with an usher or a greeter, that becomes the message. If the praise team is not doing well, they weren't prepared thoroughly, then that becomes the message. And then by the time they get to the message, They've had so many negative messages, they really don't want to hear the rest of it. And so your job is to view everything you do through the eyes of somebody walking in Mm -hmm. for the first time and ask and answer the questions, is the environment right? Is the environment and the message appealing? Is the worship experience, is it engaging? And you should be asking all those questions because that's what an owner cares about. And if all of us are owners, and we should be, because all of us are individuals that have been saved by the grace of God, so it is our responsibility to be good stewards of this thing that God has called us to. And so your assignment is to make sure you're just walking slowly through the crowds, Mm -hmm. thinking like 
an owner. If somebody is uh, disgruntled because of something, you should empower your team. Hey, whatever it takes to change that person's mindset and to make them walk out of here feeling like they had a great experience and are fully satisfied, then you should empower your people to do that. If that means everybody walks around with Starbucks gift cards, so if we disappointed somebody, we'll make it better again, then you do that. But that's what an owner does because an owner cares that every person has a great experience and a great encounter mm-hmm. with God. Pastor Matt, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, I, I just the question came to my head is as we get more established, as we get more settled in what we're doing, some of these things we delegate away. Mm-hmm. And what are some examples for you or for other senior leaders of things that maybe a senior leader would delegate away in the past, but now you need to take that back? Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're thinking from the mindset of a church planner, then the senior leader or the, the, the planter wants to meet with everybody. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of Sundays in our church, uh, I asked all the first-time guests, if you don't mind, I'd love to meet you personally. And then I began meeting all of them, every last one. We had a number of them in the service, and I waited perhaps about a 45-minute wait to talk to every single one because I didn't just want that to delegate that to one of our other pastors or even to somebody who is over first impressions. They did their job already, but I wanted to meet them personally because I wanted them to hear the vision, the passion, the, 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 the desire to connect with them to come directly from me and not just somebody that I delegated that to. Uh, number two, when I come on the property, I'm driving around the whole thing because I want to make sure that it is set up. Now, I've asked all our other leaders to do it too, and they're in the process of doing it, but I want to drive around the property twice just to see if there's anything out of place that I need to re-engage in or fix or address at some level. So that's two that's instances, good. I think, Pastor Matt, where I think those that's are critical. That's good. So all of that was number one. Well, Lord, all right. <laughs> well, let's see if we can get let's see if we can get nine oh, or ten more. So of good, them. that's so good. No, we oh got a lot gosh. more for you. It's going to be good. They'll all be in the show notes. <laughs> Number two is having a core team who understands the season that we're in. Yeah, that's a big one, everybody. Um, seasons are important. A leader's job is to define what season you're in and what actions we need to take in light of that season. Here at our church, we have a number of seasons, four of them to be exact. We have four seasons, so we either are in a attracting season, we're in a attaching season, we're in a adore season, or we're in a alignment mm-hmm. season. Those are the four seasons we have, and your assignment is to ask and answer the questions, what season are we in right now, and what season are we headed to, and how do I prepare or congregation to pull that off. So in this season, I think for us, we're in a attracting season. What that means is we care deeply about finding multiple ways of getting people to come to church. What that means is we're trying to figure out how we're going to how we're going to make people aware of what we're doing, that we're here, that we're open. How do we get people who have just moved in town to identify and give us a try as, as, it, as it pertains to our church? How do, we, how do we get people to know that we're available, open, and ready to serve them and to meet their needs? Mm-hmm. How do we get people who are hurting to at least give us a try to see what Jesus Christ can do for them? So that's the season we're in. So we're getting all our teams geared up to do what we call outreach, to do what we call how do we connect mm-hmm. with people who are far from God. That's really good. The The third one is how to attract people who thrive in your culture. Mm, so people yeah. who thrive in our culture. We've gone through um, 
we, we've gone through a painstaking process yep. of clearly identifying who thrives in our church's culture. In mm-hmm. other words, if you do this, 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 and this, then you're going to be a success here. Uh, when you look at this list, if you're struggling with three or four, you're probably not going to make it. And what you have to do at your church or your organization is look at your culture and look at how you define who's going to excel in your culture. So we've, we've talked about these in the past, but we want to run through these again real quickly. A couple of the first ones are um, having a warrior spirit. Mm-hmm. So for us, one of our eight is a warrior spirit. That's somebody who nothing's going to get in your way. When you have a task or something to get done, a warrior spirit says, nothing is going to stop me. I will pull out all the stops to accomplish what God has given me in this moment. Yeah, and, and these are good particularly because they're all rooted in the Word of God. So mm-hmm. they become character development uh, qualities. And so what these are, when somebody leaves or comes from a different church or somebody gets saved, they they bring their value system Mm -hmm. to church with them. And what you've got to make sure is that the value system of the church aligns with their value system. These eight qualities (laughs) help you determine whether or not somebody can be a high-level volunteer, somebody can be on staff, or whether they can't be on staff. And you should be looking at these and asking questions around these to know whether or not they're still in the developmental phase and are not ready to go to the, you know, the top echelons of your, of your organization or your church and use these as qualifiers to mm. know whether or not somebody even has a chance to thrive in that culture. So Pastor Matt said number one was a, a warrior spirit. Number two is they love to have fun. Can you laugh at yourself? <laughs> can, you, can you truly enjoy? Are you a person that enjoys a good laugh? Or are you always just tight, uh, miserable, focused, not, not, not goofing off any? If that's you, then you, you mm-hmm. won't thrive, not in this culture, because we think laughter is good medicine. And so we think we should, we should do pranks on each other, sane ones, <laughs> sane pranks. We should do things that uh, lighten the mood. We should, we should, somebody says something unwise. I remember one time I was preaching and I made up a word, and the next day somebody had the word uh, <laughs> on a T-shirt, and they were just laughing at me because it was one of the countries. You remember this one, Pastor Matt? Just one time you made up a word? Okay, no. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, it was one of these countries, and I was naming a list of countries, and I, and I, and I, uh, inappropriately <laughs> said, I think it was uh, malaria was a country, and um, that was an embarrassing <laughs> moment. But the next day, somebody came with a shirt, and on it it said, uh, where in the world is malaria? And it was hilarious. But if you can't laugh at yourself with that man, then you won't make it in our culture. So number one, warrior spirit. Number two, loves to have fun. What else you got Let's for talk us? about a servant spirit. Mm. So uh, just it, it's basically having the mind of Christ. It's, mm-hmm. it's nothing is too small for me to do. So that goes back to having an owner's mentality. Um, there's no piece of trash that, that I'm, I'm above picking up. Um, the way we say it here is nobody big, everybody small. Mm-hmm. So we have the mind of Christ that we don't come to be served, but we come to serve. And that's going to tell you a lot about someone right away, um, their heart of service. Yeah. Next one is uh, you're on a mission from God. You believe that you've been sent by God in this season to meet the needs and minister to the people in this area. You're convinced of that. It's a done deal. And so you're creating a culture where everybody knows this is not for the faint of heart. 
This is for people mm-hmm. militarily, like in the military, when they say, hey, we have a common enemy. That enemy is the, is the devil, and he wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. And it's our assignment to know the word and then to pray the word and the promises of the word over people and to win people to Christ, grow people up in Christ, so that they can find fulfillment, mm-hmm. restoration, and healing. But to do yeah. that, you must realize that this is not just another assignment. You're on a mission from God. Right. Next one is grateful. Mm. Somebody who has a grateful heart. In other words, I'm just glad I have the opportunity to be what I'm doing. God could have chose anyone, but he allowed me to be in this moment, in this opportunity. And I'm not going to feel entitled. I'm not going to feel like I'm owed something. I'm not going to feel like I deserve something. Because when entitlement creeps in, gratitude and thanksgiving run away. So having a grateful heart that I'm just grateful I'm just great. If I can't find anything else, instead of complaining, what can I give thanks for in wow. this moment? And, That's good. That's yeah. really good. The other one is teachability. Uh, how teachable are you? Can anybody teach you anything in any season? Mm-hmm. Do you look at? Do you look? for feedback as a friend do you look at it as a gift that somebody Uh. that's willing to speak into your life they don't have to but they're willing to share some information with you that could help you become a better leader are you Mm -hmm. open to it even if you disagree with it will you take it listen to it uh assess it for yourself personally ask a couple other people hey man is have you seen this as well because if it's there then i don't want to be that way i didn't know Mm -hmm. i was coming across that way and i want to be better at what i do so let's go and let's grow and let's develop in that area right next up is self-aware um a leader who excels in our culture is self-aware in other words you know what your strengths are you know what your weaknesses are you're fully aware of who you are now i like to think of this to me this is kind of like out of all of these, this is the trick one. Hmm. This is like the curveball because really it's it's near impossible to be self-aware unless you live in the context of community. That's right. So we have to have others around us to help us become self-aware because we can't see our blind spots. Yeah. So having others around us to help teach us, to help um, expose us to where our blind spots are so that we can be fully aware of ultimately knowing where am I weak, where am I strong, and be willing to take coaching whenever we can. That's good. Rejects negativity. That just means that we, what we're saying is we don't want to see negativity at all. Anything you have to say to somebody, this is so important, anything you have to say to somebody, if they can't fix it, then you're being negative, you're gossiping. So that means you should only be talking to somebody negatively about somebody else. If they can address it, if you can, mm-hmm. if you have already gone to them first, Matthew 18 them, have the conversation, take the log out of your own eye, gone to them, have the conversation. If not, then you can't just be a trash can and dump it to somebody else so that they can take it up. Your assignment then is wherever we see it as a culture, we shut that down because that's not who we are, that's not what we're wanting, and that's not what we want to see. Good. So those are the different aspects, the mm-hmm. eight ways, the eight ways you can know who's going to thrive in our culture. And you, you can take these or you might want to create your own to describe who's going to be successful in your culture. That's good. So number four, we've gone through an owner's mentality. We've gone through having a core team who knows the season that we're in, people who excel in our culture. Number four <laughs> is, is a piggyback on what we talked about before, realizing that we're on a mission from God. Yeah, and this really refers to evangelism. You're, the reason you got into ministry in the first place is because, you see, you want to see lost people found. Mm-hmm. And so the, the tendency, the trajectory of every church is to move toward insiders. Your passion 
as a planter, your passion as somebody that's replanting the church or replanting the student ministry is to remember that you've got to focus outwardly, which means you've got to, you've got to painstakingly drive it into your group, your launch team, the people that are replanting with you, that we've got to focus on outsiders. We've got to make sure we're talking to people who are far from God because ultimately Christ gave us the great commission, which is to go and make disciples. That includes evangelism and that it, it includes discipleship. The first part evangelism, the second part discipleship, mm-hmm. we've got to do mm-hmm. them both. And so you must never forget. You must weekly ask, how many new people did we have? You must weekly ask your teammates, how many new people did you meet that you never knew before that now you're engaging in? You've got to do that if we're going to reignite and relaunch this church. Evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. New people, new people, new people. We're on a mission from God, and that mission is to see lost people found. And I heard Andy Stanley say I'm, he's focused on not the people he's trying to keep, but the people he's trying to reach. That's good. And the, when we talk about focusing on new people, there's a tendency to want to not look at new people because we're so busy trying mm-hmm. to look back to all the people we used to have. Yeah, that's good. And um, I just I, I thought we've got to focus on we've got a big gap in the way that we're going to fill the seats, the way that we're going to reach people is by focusing on new people, new leaders, new individuals, and not focusing on the past, not having yeah. the, the rearview mirror mindset. But how do I focus on who God has right here, right now, that's that is good. crying out for help and crying out for opportunities. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Next up. What number is this, five? I think that was four and five. Okay, what's number yeah. five say? Number five was focusing on new people also. No, no, so no, that's different. So number five means, so one is evangelism. You've got to be ready. You've got to come up with multiple ways that you're going to use to reach your community. Number five now means every single week. The scoreboard says, how mm-hmm. many new people showed up this weekend? Right. How many new people, whether it's digitally or in person, how many new people showed up that mm-hmm. we now have to follow up with? Every single time you meet, you've got to drive it in because it's all about outreach. It's all about mm-hmm. finding lost people, which is why that's so important. So the reason why we separate those two is because one speaks to your strategy to reach them. Mm-hmm. Two speaks to your accountability as to whether or not they showed up in church and if they did, now that ignites a system of how do you assimilate them mm-hmm. into ministry mm-hmm. or apart from that. So number number four addresses the issue of what are your strategies? What are you going to do social media-wise? What are you going to do just doing raw, cold evangelism? What are you going to do uh, in whatever strategy, flyers, whatever you want to do? But you've got to reach people. Mm-hmm. The other one talks about how do you hold people accountable individually now to make sure they brought people, and then when they do, what's your system of, of, of attaching them to the system? All right, what else you got? That's number right? six is. Number Perfect. six then leads into how do we attach new people. It's mm-hmm. attaching new people to small groups and to serving opportunities. That's it. So we're moving now away from our, our rhythm of attracting to now we're trying to attach them. This is huge. Church planters, newly crowned and anointed <laughs> church planters, don't ever forget it. You've got to ask how many new small group leaders do we have? How many new people 
uh, do we have that are over ministries that people can serve with? Because mm-hmm. now you got to attach them to something. And if you're not attaching them, then you don't know how you're doing. Because people come mm-hmm. to a church for the, for the communicator. They stay at the church for the relationships. So you need to make sure you are creating healthy relationships for everybody. If you see somebody that doesn't have a relationship, they won't be at your church long. Because they're going to find relationships, and when they find them, they're going to attach to them. So your assignment is to make sure that that's what you're trying to do and that that's how we're trying to lead in that direction. So small group leaders, if I were you, I would want to make sure I have a new small group leader that we're developing. Depending on the size of your church, uh, every month you have one. Or depending on the size of your maybe you want 10. But you've got to be going after small group leaders because they're the ones, mm-hmm. as the church reopens, as the church re- yeah. um, relaunches, uh, those who are not attached to small groups, you must make sure that they get attached. All right. That's good. That's good. Uh, number seven mm-hmm. um, is we've got to have clear systems. Lord have mercy. Clear systems for everything we do. Um, the reason we have systems is so that we don't have to guess when we get in the middle of a situation. That's good. When you have systems predetermined, you know what to do in every area of ministry, in every area of what you're doing, every next step someone takes. So just a handful of systems you need to have prepared and ready. Yeah, you need to have a worship system. Uh, what's your point with worship? Everyone, somebody comes to the ministry, you should have the system that you can show them. Here's what we're trying to do. When this is working flawlessly, mm-hmm. this is how it happens. You need to have a first impression system. When somebody comes for the first time, are they going to give us the information before they show up? What does that do? Does that ignite and initiate a series of emails that go out to them? Are they going to get a gift? Are you mm-hmm. going to send something to them that Sunday evening? What does that look like? You've got to have a student system. you got to have a... Uh, kids system. Mm-hmm. You've got to have an outreach system. What's your strategies for outreach? But all these systems are important. One, so you have clarity around what each person is doing. And then number two, so that now we can inspire people and fill the roles that it takes to manage each of these systems so that once, some, once you get the people into it, there is a system and a rhythm at work to make sure they're headed in the right direction. All right? What else so we got good. after that? All right, we're getting close, y'all. Number eight is we want to reinforce. After we've done all these, mm-hmm. reinforce our culture. My, 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 my. Culture, culture, culture. Culture is everything, man. Can the people that are new, that are coming from other environments, can they fit our culture? Can they? Uh, everybody's culture has a, has a cadence to it. Can the people that are coming in fit that cadence? Everybody that has a culture has a has a, a way in which we kind of meet. There's a there's a chemistry to it. Can they fit the chemistry of your culture? Can they can they run at the same pace that you guys are running? Mm-hmm. Can they can they gel with you guys the way that your team currently gels? Not everybody can. Not everybody is right for every culture. Your assignment is to make sure that that culture is completely defined, so you know who you are and you know who you're not. So that when people come and they're not who you are, you know, hey, man, there's a church down the street that works perfectly for for you. I think you should go there. This is who we are as a church. That should be defined. That should be clear so that your people come in and you know before they even start getting matriculating into your system, Mm -hmm. you know whether they're going to make it or not because of the culture that you have. And that you reinforce yes. over and over that we mm-hmm. celebrate, that we that we show others this is what it looks yeah. like to be doing well in our culture. Number nine is to have a well-defined leadership pipeline. 
Lord have mercy. And no. asking how many people every week every single are week. going into that pipeline. So once you have your systems um, in place, they're only, I want you to think about it like a bicycle. There are only two pedals that you're riding. The pedal number one used to be seats or do you have enough capacity, right? With a digital world, now that opens up a little bit and this won't become as much an issue anymore because when you're doing buildings, you're using millions to reach thousands. When you're doing digital, you're using thousands to reach millions. So your assignment is make sure that the first pedal, you have enough enough seats or you have enough digital bandwidth to reach as many people as you can. The second pedal in, in the bicycle of the church ministry is do you have enough leaders? Uh, whether that's worship leaders, whether that's children's ministry leaders, or whether that's um, pastoral team, all that. Do you have enough? And if you have enough leaders and enough seats or enough experiences, then the bicycle works perfectly. And it keeps going and it keeps going because you have enough leaders. Where we get stuck is when we don't have enough leaders in the pipeline to step into the gap to keep the bicycle going. Now you've lost momentum because your leadership uh, pedal has come off and you don't have enough people to help you lead what God has asked you to steward. Mm, that's good. Well, we've talked a lot of leadership and a lot of strategy and mm -hmm. systems. Number 10 is talk about what it looks like to have an emphasis in prayer. No, that's good because this is, this is so very vital. And when you're doing leadership talks, uh, people usually assume that. But when you're doing church planting, it's the whole ball game. It's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God. So, so half, not half, all of what you do is dependent on what God is doing in your life and the mm -hmm. favor of God being upon your church and you as the leadership team, which therefore means you've got to have days of prayer. You've got to have moments of prayer. You've got to ask everybody to be, to be fasting, rhythms of fasting, because what we're doing is a supernatural act. It is not something you can do in the flesh. It's something you have to do in the spirit, which means you need the spirit of the living God flowing through you to be a blessing to other people. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so earnestly praying. If you're the main planter, then you need to be praying like crazy and asking God to remove the hidden barriers that you can't even see, but they're there. And it demands that God removes them so that you can keep moving forward. Yeah. Too many of us just underestimate the the reality of the spiritual battle that we're in absolutely and um, prayer is one of the primary weapons we have for that now we've gone through 10 of these are there any bonuses yeah come any on bonuses you want to do give the out? bonus let's do the bonus in our culture we call it uh that you need to know the axiom yeah. the ax an axiom is like a proverb it is something that lets you go lets you go further faster. It's something that lets you cut through the, the fog. It's something that, that, that removes all the excuses so that you can lead courageously and lead quickly. Mm -hmm. And so we have about 30 of these axioms that we ask our leaders to know, and they really make a difference because when you memorize them, they become second nature in your thinking. And so when you're leading other people, you know exactly what to do, when to do it, how mm -hmm. to do it. So, Pastor Matt, why don't we give a couple of them, maybe four or five of these axioms oh, that we think see. are helpful. Most of them the come from a, from, a, from a leadership book yep. that our team read probably ten, five or six years ago or so. And yeah. we think they're vital because it helps us go uh, further faster. So well, let me start with just, one. 
One of them is uh, the speed of the leader, the speed uh-huh. of the team. You know, if you're the leader, it's everything stops with you. If there's something to be blamed, you look in the mirror, somebody to get credit, you look through the mirror, through the window. But the leadership mm-hmm. axiom that says the speed of the speed of the team means your people will only go as fast as you're committed to go. Your people will only work as hard as you're willing to work. Your people will only, um, they'll do whatever you do in essence. And so <laughs> I, invariably I hear people saying, uh, yeah, you give a lot of excuses why you can't do stuff, but you expect all your volunteers to go at a faster pace than you and sacrifice more than you. It just won't happen. They're taking their cues from you. So if you don't want to lead courageously and fast, then nothing else will matter. So another great one that um, we say a lot on our team is performance buys freedom. Oh, my goodness. Uh, performance buys freedom. One of the greatest indicators of future results is, is past results. So um, anybody on any team, the more you perform, the more the results you have, the more freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, after you've proven yourself that you're going to be faithful, that you can have freedom, that you, then all of a sudden results become what matters. And, and, and we don't care how you do it. Just get it done. But somebody who's not getting results yeah. should not be the person saying, I need more time off. Correct. You got it. You got it. Here's another one. Uh, pay attention to hellos and goodbyes. As leaders, we're always asking people for stuff. We're saying, hey, man, do this for me. Hey, do this for me. Hey, do this for me. So you got to maximize your moments, your five, ten minute moments before a meeting and after a meeting to make meaningful connections so people don't feel like you're using them and that you don't care. Your assignment is to make sure when you walk in that room, first five minutes, you try to touch everybody, see how they're doing in the most sincere, authentic, and present way and make a meaningful connection so that the next time you ask them for something, it doesn't seem as if you're always asking. You're always pulling something from me, but seldom depositing anything in me. What else you got, Pastor? I want to ask you about one. There's one yeah. called the Tunnel of Chaos. Oh, that's almost my favorite. I think you thrive in the tunnel. I do. I so, do. Um, I do. What, what is the Tunnel of Chaos? Yeah, let's talk about that one for a moment. <laughs> this one's really good, and if you ever have the opportunity to lean into it. So I believe that healthy Christians um, don't back away from conflict. They actually move toward it. I think if you're healthy, you've got to, you've got to love your brothers and sisters enough to not hide behind something but to genuinely and lovingly move towards something. So if you see a character flaw in your brother or sister and it showed up a couple of times now, I think it's your responsibility to go through the tunnel. The tunnel means it's dark, it's, it's, it's scary, it is uncertain how it's going to end, but usually when you come through on the other side, you're usually stronger than you've ever been. The problem is too many Christians and too many Christian leaders are afraid of the darkness of the tunnel so they never get in the tunnel. But then it usually comes back somewhere later on and hurts you because you never took the time mm-hmm. when you had the opportunity to go through the tunnel. So leaders, your assignment is whenever there's an issue, make sure you have a great, you know, Peacemakers, a great book to read. Make sure you have great language mm-hmm. that your team can talk through and deal with so that you can refer to it and you can come back to it. We've read a couple of books, one that talked about the spirit of, um, Absalom, the spirit of Jezebel, and the spirit of Korah. And it just <laughs> talks about language that people can use so that when people are doing mm-hmm. things that are inappropriate, that are hurting the unity, yep. we can confront them in a healthy way. Another book we read, we read called Three Kings that you need, I would recommend that you read it too. It's an incredible book that simply talks about how do you handle 
conflict. What happens if, are you David? Are you Saul? Are you Solomon in the conflict? And shows you how to handle that well. So leaders, I am, I am pleading with you, especially in this season, uh, to, to not, not draw blood when you disagree, but I'm in- encouraging you to gently and lovingly work through issues when they come up. And don't ignore them because they only get larger. Wow. That was a lot. Was that a lot? That was a lot. All right, that's enough for today then. That was a lot. So (laughs) uh, we encourage you, um, again, on our webpage, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. You can download the show notes so that you can follow along and take notes with Mm -hmm. us. And we just want to ask you a favor. If this has blessed you, um, to bless someone else and share this. Leave us a comment or a review. We're extremely grateful that you even spent the time to just tune in and listen and join along with us. We're praying for you, and we pray that you're able to go a little bit further in this season because you've got some of these tools. Awesome, man. Hey, guys, leaders, God bless you. I know you're tired. I know you're running hard. Make sure you get some rest along the process. But this should be one of our greatest moments ever. The church is scattered, but the Spirit of God is still present in every believer. And our job is to inspire those believers mm-hmm. to, to, to switch and make the switch, make the move, but simultaneously be more aggressive than ever before with your evangelism because now they can reach people that we never could. Mm-hmm. Inspire away, my friends. Inspire away. Let's do this. We'll see you next time. All right.